Most people dread it. Some people avoid it at all costs. We'll skip the networking events, duck behind a big display in the store, or avoid eye contact in a public place. What am I talking about? Small talk. It's something we all have to do, but we almost universally despise. Our question this episode: What can we do to make small talk less painful and more productive? Welcome to episode fifty-one of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilow. Thank you so much for joining me. The inspiration for this episode comes from a recent presentation I gave at the MIT Media Lab. I was talking about being an introvert in an extroverted environment, and part of my message was about the value of small talk. And while I've made mention of that topic in previous talks and writing, the inclusion of it in my presentation was also inspired by a September seventeenth New York Times article titled "The Awkward but Essential Art of Office Chit Chat." So small talk is a huge part of the interpersonal communication that we all engage in every day, and I thought it was worth sharing a few thoughts on the topic here. A few weeks ago, I was doing what I call a mobile office day, hunkering down with my chai tea and a laptop at the local Starbucks. Since I'm relatively new in my community, it's rare that I see someone I know when I'm out, but it does happen, and this happened to be one of those days. In walks John, someone I know fairly well. My husband and I have gone to dinner with him and his wife. We've been to their home, and we've been to many social gatherings together. He's someone I hug when I see him, and I enjoy chatting with him. And yet that day, when I saw him walk in, and that he didn't see me there in the corner, I kept my eyes glued to my laptop. I wasn't really in the mood for small talk. I was kind of absorbed in the work I was doing, and really, small talk is the only kind of talk that would happen in passing at a Starbucks. He came in, picked up the advance order that he had placed, and left. I felt a twinge of regret that I hadn't brought myself to his attention, but I have to say, I also felt a bit of relief. Even with someone I know and love, I felt this tug of war between wanting to connect and wanting to keep to myself. I don't know if that's the introvert in me, or if it's a Beth thing or a human thing. Whatever it was, I was aware that I'd made a choice to keep to myself. The thing is, he came back. In about thirty seconds later, because something was wrong with one of his drinks, and he stood very politely at the counter until a barista finally noticed him. So during that time, I had this little internal debate with myself. Now that I have this second chance, do I jump up and say hello? I did end up calling out to him as he walked back towards the door. We had a very brief conversation during which he asked me about an email exchange we'd had a couple weeks before that I had actually forgotten about, that was about some of his employees attending an event that I had invited them to. So it turns out it was actually a really good thing that I'd stretched myself to say hi. It was an important relationship-building moment, and it was an opportunity for me to express appreciation to him. And that wouldn't have happened if I had let my aversion to small talk get in the way. Of course, I don't always get over that aversion, and I know lots of you listening don't either. 
When we're out and about and we see someone we know, we've all had the impulse to avoid eye contact, cross to the other side of the street, switch directions in the grocery store when we realize that, oops, I should have gotten eggs on the other side of the store before heading to the checkout lanes, or when we suddenly head for the restroom, or even hang out in a bathroom stall longer than necessary just to avoid having to make small talk while we wash and dry our hands. We don't always follow that impulse, but we probably do follow it more times than we care to admit. I personally know that one of the reasons I love self-checkout lanes at grocery stores is because I don't really want to make fake happy chit-chat with the cashier who really doesn't care at all about what plans I have for the evening. Even as I say that to my own ears, I realize that that could sound very antisocial, but I really don't see it that way. I think most of us, including myself, we enjoy talking with others and making a real connection. It helps us to break any feelings of isolation that we might be experiencing. The thing is, we don't particularly enjoy conversations that feel superficial or fake or forced. As the New York Times article pointed out, while we might go to great lengths to avoid small talk, we do so at our peril. The piece says that because small talk can be torture, the absence of it can also make us feel bad about ourselves, like we're true failures at life for not being able to connect with a fellow member of the herd, worried deep down that we will be kicked out of society or left to rot alone on the plains to pay for our own streaming services instead of sharing a login. That's all very dramatic, and it might be taking those uh, small talk aversion tendencies to the extreme, but I think there's probably a grain of truth in that. So that article led me to reflect on a different question. Do we really hate small talk, or do we hate forced small talk? You know, like when the person making your coffee asks if you have any big plans for the rest of the day. Our minds tell a story. We think, oh, you're just being paid to chat me up so that I'll leave a tip. And that kind of story can extend to other areas, including networking. We might be thinking, well, you're just asking me about myself so that I'll have to tell you something that will make it easier for you to sell to me. I acknowledge that's a pretty cynical view. But if we don't enjoy doing something, we can sometimes assume worst intent rather than best intent. We also can get bored with the small talk topics that seem so trivial. The weather and who won the game last night, traffic, even our elevator pitch can feel like small talk and seem like it's just inconsequential. I mean, you know, we think of all of that like, what's the point of all of it? And the point is that these topics are entry points to learning more about someone and getting beyond that small talk. But before we can see them as entry points, we have to recalibrate our relationship to small talk and learn how to get comfortable with it. You might never love it, and that's okay. Maybe your goal is just to hate it a little bit less. And by making that effort, you might just see big returns in both your personal and your professional life. Here are a few suggestions to help you press reset on your small talk attitude and experience more ease when you find yourself face-to-face with someone with only a minute or two to connect. 
first is to allow small talk to be small. This is something I picked up from Melissa Wadsworth, who I interviewed for the Introvert Entrepreneur podcast episode that I mentioned just a moment ago. We can find ourselves disappointed by small talk because we long for something more, something deeper. So small talk leaves us feeling unsatisfied and even frustrated because we can't follow a thread or we can't go a little bit deeper. And we've expended all of this energy and feel like we haven't gotten really anything in return. But what if we just decide it's okay that the talk is small, that it's okay that it's just about the weather or traffic or where we went to dinner last night or the latest movie or Netflix series that everyone's talking about? What if we just acknowledge it as a different style of communication? We don't have to make it something that it's not. Just let it be small. Enjoy just talking about trivial shared experiences like the weather. Consider it kind of a break from deeper conversations and intense topics where a lot is on the line and emotions can be stirred up. Just see it as like a little appetizer that satisfies the hunger for connection and don't try to make it the full meal. I will say that one of the reasons those topics that we were just talking about a moment ago are popular, even though they're very trite and surfacey, is because they're neutral. We know how touchy things can get when we get into personal topics, such as politics, religion, money, family, and the like. We can easily slip into those areas of conversation with someone we know well, and when we really have time to dive into them. But for small talk, they have the potential to be divisive and uncomfortable, especially if you're talking to someone that you've just met. It's often best to stick with shared experiences that don't carry any sort of charge with them, like the weather. Even if you love the rain and the other person thinks it's dreadful, you can share what you love and hate about it without potentially offending or alienating the other person. There's just no good reason to try to push the buttons of someone you've just met or that you'll only be talking to for a minute or so. I appreciated the point in the New York Times article that we need to release this internal story that we have nothing interesting to say or to offer someone else. We are way more interesting than we think. We don't always appreciate our work or our hobbies because we're the ones doing them and we do them every day and we don't necessarily see what's so special about them. Or we might think they're too complicated to explain to someone else or that we'll just be boring them if we tell them. But to someone else, those things might be really fascinating, or at least they'll feel enough curiosity that it will sustain a short conversation. Don't underestimate yourself and your experiences. You have more to offer than you think you do. You have more uniqueness and more stories than you think you do. And the more you put yourself out there, the more you will learn what's interesting to others. And that's another point. To get more comfortable with it, it's important to not actively avoid it. You don't have to seek it out, but at least don't hide behind displays or avoid eye contact if an opportunity arises and if you feel any scintilla of compulsion to talk to someone. I've gotten more comfortable with small talk by initiating it with strangers when I'm shopping or even when I'm traveling. In both instances, there's little to no risk involved. If I say something stupid, which I probably won't, but is always a small possibility, 
I don't worry that much because it's likely that I'll never see that person again. We have no history and we have no future. We just have that exchange in the moment. Chances are we don't even know each other's names or where we're from. So, you know, there's an anonymity to it. So in order to practice that, I might ask the cashier, you know, hey, has it been a busy night? Or um, it looks like it's pretty quiet around here. I might ask if she's tried a product that I'm purchasing. Or I'll go ahead and engage in banter if they initiate it. One night, the man at the self-checkout lane had to approve an alcohol purchase I was making. And in doing so, he went ahead and pressed acknowledge over 40 on the touch screen. And I must have been feeling a little bit feisty because I said rather slyly, are you sure about that? He laughed and looked at me and said, well, you look about the same age as my wife. So I figured I was safe. I asked how old his wife was. And then we said a few words about how the older we got, the less we cared about how old we were. It was probably a 45 second conversation, but it boosted my confidence in my ability to make small talk. By letting small talk stay small and taking low-risk opportunities to practice it, we gather evidence that we can do it and that actually it's not so bad. I usually feel a slight spring in my step after a short interaction with someone that went well. And maybe you've experienced that too. And the more we experience that uplift, the more we rewire our brains to believe that small talk isn't so bad and that we actually can do it. One point I love in the article is the suggestion to fill in the blanks of our stock answer when someone asks, how are you? We usually say, I'm good or doing well, but we stop there. Instead, keep going and say why you are feeling good or doing well. What's happening that's making you feel good? Did you just finish a big project? Are you about to go on vacation? Did your daughter score the winning point in her soccer game last night? Go ahead and share what's good. Say, I'm good. I'm going fishing this weekend and I haven't been all spring. See how that gives the other person something to ask about? It doesn't really matter if they know how to fish or even like fish. They can still ask, where do you like to go? Or, what do you enjoy most about fishing? Or, I've never fished. What am I missing? You, as the listener, might not really care about fishing, but you do care about making a connection with the other person. By asking questions, you're showing sincere interest and getting them to talk about themselves, which is a powerful way to use small talk to build relationship. Two more points that I'll leave you with. One is that small talk with colleagues, customers, clients, and acquaintances is a great way to gather information that's useful later on. And I don't mean useful in a manipulative way. I mean useful in that it deepens your understanding of that person's needs and wants and values so that the next time you talk, you have more context about them and can take the conversation a little deeper. Whereas the first time you talked about the weather and how you don't like walking your dog in the rain, the next time you talk, you can ask about the dog. Before you know it, you're talking about pets you've had in your life, which might lead to talking about where you grew up, what else you like to do in your spare time, where you went to school, or other personal tidbits. Those all move the relationship forward and make it easier to form a meaningful connection. And if the conversation isn't meant to go there, don't force it. 
It might never evolve into anything more than being about the weather. And that's okay. Not all conversations are meant to be deep, and not all conversations lead to friendship. The point is to be open to having the conversation in the first place, to let go of needing it to be profound or meaningful, to just be curious about where it might go, and to be patient as it develops, and to be patient if it doesn't go anywhere. The second and final point is that while many of us get worked up about how can I say this when it comes to small talk, I invite you to relax about that. Yes, we all want to feel and sound intelligent and competent and friendly, and the words we use contribute to that. But it's almost as important, if not more so, to focus on your attitude and presence. You've probably heard that really wonderful Maya Angelou quote, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And that's what you can focus on in any small talk encounter. Make the other person feel important by asking them questions, by giving them your full attention, by smiling and making eye contact and really listening to them. Just choosing to engage can make people feel good. And the thing is, it'll make you feel good too. I'm guessing anytime you've stretched yourself to make small talk when you didn't feel like it, you're 100% glad you did, or at least you don't regret it. I'd like to think that by taking 30 seconds of energy to compliment someone on their shoes or give them more than a not much answer when they ask what I'm doing for the rest of my day, I'm bringing a little bit of light to their day. Because so many of us are buried in our phones and laptops all the time, it's almost a radical act to look up and talk to a stranger. And in reality, I think it's also a random act of kindness. It's small, but it's significant. So your call to action is to be aware of opportunities to have a little banter with someone that you don't know, just sometime over the next week or so. And when you see that opportunity, instead of suddenly deciding that you have to retie your shoes, make eye contact and smile and trust that just saying hello is enough. Commenting on the heat or the snow or the rain is enough. Saying that you can't believe the amount of traffic is enough. Don't take it seriously because it's just not that serious. The less seriously you take it, the more you'll relax with it, the more you might even enjoy it, and the more you will build your capacity to do it. Remember, having a welcoming and warm presence is more important than what you actually say. And then when the time comes when it really does count, like a sales call or a job interview or meeting your girlfriend's parents, you'll be ready for it. You'll find a link to that podcast episode I mentioned, along with a New York Times article on the episode webpage at HowCanIsayThis.com. Both of them go into more detail than I went into here, and I hope that this episode, in combination with those resources, sets you on a journey to, like I said, recalibrating your relationship with small talk and having it be a skill that you commit to building in the spirit of creating stronger relationships. I'd also like to share with you that I offer facilitation and interpersonal communications coaching services. And if you want to learn more about that, 
feel free to send me a quick email at beth at howcanisaythis.com. And remember, contacting me does not obligate you to anything. It just gets us connected so that we can have a conversation about what you're looking for and if we're a good fit for one another. And I invite you to be in touch if I can be of service. I also hope that you'll share this episode with any friends, family members, or colleagues that you think might find it interesting. I also appreciate your reviews and ratings on whatever platform you find this podcast. And please subscribe and come back for future episodes. Be part of the movement to bring more courageous communication into the world. This is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.